Tide Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the fourth Sunday of Easter for the week of April 25th, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited because this is Christ the Good Shepherd Sunday. We get some familiar texts this week with the 23rd Psalm being talked about and kind of looking at God as this shepherd, but I think it really is an interesting thing to be thinking about, especially in this time and where we're at, where there's so many things that we're questioning and wondering about and trying to figure out what does it all mean for us. And having this image of someone who's a protector for us, I think is really comforting to know. But I think when we look at these texts, especially this week, there is some depth that it's really easy for us to overlook. And I think it's with where we're at right now with the world, with where we're at in the season of faith, I think we have to consider it. I think we need to think about it even when it's hard. And I think this Sunday, in a lot of ways, if you allow yourself to go there, I think it will be a hard week, but also a week that provides comfort. So Before we jump into it, let's look at the Twitter question from last week. And the question was, how is your mind being open to new revelations? And I think this is a great question to really be thinking about with where we're at right now. Again, as we keep kind of reiterating, we're kind of in this weird holding pattern, I feel like, with the pandemic, that we're seeing some hope near the end. A lot of people getting shots. There's this optimism that at some point here, we could be closing this chapter. But in that, it means that we're not there yet. And so there's still time and still things that we're working on and processing and trying to figure out. And I think that's what's so difficult about this. But the advantage to this is, again, giving us time as people to, if this is the way in the spot of where we're progressing, how then can we think about what else is going on in the world and how can we transform some of those ideas? I know with where I work, that's been something that we've been talking about is thinking about things that weren't necessarily working well beforehand and how do we increase efficiency? How do we make things better so that we actually are coming back with a better product than what we had before? And I think that's one of the things right now, when we look at it from a world perspective, I think there are a lot of ways that we could potentially be digging into that. When you're looking at Right now, there's a lot of racial tension is one that we're trying to work through and trying to figure out. I think environmental, there's a lot of things that we're trying to figure out. How do you support business, but also understand that we only have one planet? So how does that balance? And there's plenty of other distinctions and things that we're looking at. And I think that's one of the things right now that's interesting for us to be thinking about, and especially with the cycle of where we're at, I think it's time to really contemplate and to think about that. I will state, I'll attach it down below, a really interesting thing I stumbled across this week from Van Neistat, the spirited man, talking about how generations run in about these 80-year cycles, and each of those broken down into four 20-year cycles. 
And it's a really interesting short film, I guess you could, talking about these generations. And I'll attach the links down below. Really fascinating stuff. And I know for me, with where we're at in the world, it gave me a little bit of a, okay, things are going to be okay. It's just also that we have to keep working through this. So I'll attach those links down below. But let's jump right into this. The first reading this week is out of Acts again, chapter 4, verses 5 to 12. We have to remember where we were last week in Acts. This is where we had Peter and John doing the healing outside the temple and Peter then kind of going into the speech. And this is a few verses after that, but kind of continuing on that story. You have some of the leaders of the temple kind of pulling aside Peter and John and being like, Okay, by what power or by what name did you heal the man? And Peter, we're told in verse 8, is filled with the Holy Spirit and essentially states that it's through Christ who has died and crucified and was raised to the dead that did this. There is nothing of human parts to this. And it even states in here in verse 8 that it's he's filled with the Holy Spirit, that this is not something of... Peter's own creation. This is not even something of God's just instruction. This is the Trinity working within people that gives the power to be able to overcome things of this world. So really kind of a cool continuation to last week's story. The psalm this week is Psalm 23, arguably the most familiar psalm of them all, all six verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. An interesting psalm moving from third person to second person throughout the psalm and looking at, again, Christ and God as this shepherding figure, and that's protecting us and guiding us to where we're supposed to be going. The second reading this week is from 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 to 24. This goes through in reminding us again that it is the love of Christ that this was done. It is from the love of Christ that Christ died for our sake. And that that love we can't fully comprehend, but we can try to obey it and try to do it the best that we can. And understanding that we have this loving embrace that is holding us together, that that's what brought all of this together was the love that Christ had for us. The gospel text this week is out of John chapter 10 verses 11 to 18. Before I even jump into this, I would recommend at least spend some time and read John chapter 10 verses 1 to 10 before this, because it talks about Jesus as the gate, and this is where then we get Jesus as the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, that the hired hand will see a wolf and runs, and the wolf snatches them and scatters the sheep, and the hired hand just doesn't care about the sheep. And then there's kind of a shift in the second half of this that 
the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep, which comes after verse 14, which states, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And as we get in these last three verses, I'm going to read these because I think they're really important for helping to understand, and especially with where we're going to be taking this podcast this week. I have other sheep who do not belong into this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from the Father. Jesus recognizing and laying this down into terms of flock and sheep where people can easily understand. And again, this idea of multiple different sheep and of different herds or different things being flocked together and that it's not a big deal. Because I'm the shepherd, I'm protecting them. It doesn't matter that the sheep are a little bit different, that they aren't all the same. It's that it matters to have them together for protection. And that, I think, is something that we'll jump into a little bit this week. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week in our text, we have to do our shameless plug for Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help bring you this podcast, looking at multiple commentaries, multiple biblical scholars, taking a look at these texts. And I also like using the resource of lectionary.library.vanderbilt.edu. It's another great resource that has a lot of not only just the text, but also some more of the artistic renditions of these different texts, and it really helps provide some depth and some new ideas to be able to look at these texts. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org or the lectionary coming out of Vanderbilt University, I'd highly recommend it. Flocks. We as humans really, especially over the last year, really don't understand how flocks work. You see, if you think about how people initially established and worked in the world a long time ago, we would have been nomadic creatures that would have kind of moved around wherever the food was in small groups of people for protection. And as the land provided, we would then be there. And as the land then was saying, I need a rest, we'd move on. Especially as we have figured out how to do agriculture, we then started making cities and towns and haven't been able to do that. And I think what this then really opens up the doors to is this John text in a lot of ways. Because we have become so dependent on ourselves that our ego puts us ahead of where we're actually at. We understand that Jesus is a shepherd in the John text, but our ego likes putting us as the hired hand. The problem is, is we aren't. We're sheep. And the problem how that's hard for us is we don't flock. We don't come into groups. We aren't in these positions where we just are led. We put down roots and we do what we want. And so it makes it hard for us to understand this text in certain ways. So we have to look to other examples for us to really understand this at a deeper level. A little over three years ago, and you can even go back and listen to some of these old podcasts, I went down to Kearney, Nebraska for Sandhill Crane Migration. 
was absolutely incredible. I ended up hitting peak week and in a 70 mile stretch of the Platte River, when they did their aerial count, they were estimating 500,000 birds and well over 75% of the world sandhill cranes go through this 70 mile stretch in Nebraska. Now, why? Why do sandhill cranes go to this area? Well, it's kind of a midway point, not really, but kind of. It allows for the cranes to be there for a couple weeks to be able to get food, especially with how we've agriculturized that area. So there's farm fields, so there's always old corn and different things for them to eat. And the beautiful thing with the Platte River is it's a wide and shallow river. The cranes come in at night, the river offering some types of protection along with the peer numbers of birds to protect each other. And the cool thing of when you're down there is that this isn't the only type of bird species that is migrating through. You'll see snow geese that are going through, you see pelicans that are going through. But one of the things that I was really struck by in my experience down to Kearney was the whooping crane. And we've talked about this. It's been a little while, but whooping cranes, there's under 5,000 left in the wild. And again, they're a crane like sandhills that they, instead of standing at like four feet tall, like the sandhills, these can stand at like five feet tall. And instead of being this gray tan, they're white. The thing is, is when we're down there, it's not common but I wouldn't say it's necessarily uncommon to at least a few times a year in this migratory season having whooping cranes in with the sandhill cranes, which is always an exciting thing because there's so few of them left, but they're flying together, even though they're not the same species, as part of protection, as part of we're in this together. How often do we see flocks of birds together? And if you look, most of them are the same, most. But it's not every flock of birds. Is every single bird in that flock the same. There are times that other species will go in there and they're going at this together. And that's where, to me, when you're starting to look at verse 16, I have other sheep who do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. Birds understand this. Birds understand that they need to be able to flock together for protection. It's funny because you think about it, up here in the summer, in the northern hemisphere, when birds go into summer, they get very protective, especially the males of their territories. But as the testosterone comes down, as the year progresses, as it gets closer to fall, they need each other to survive to be able to do these migratory routes to make it. And then again, they're kind of together, but there'll be some wandering over the winter. And again, they're going to come back together in the spring and start migrating together. No matter what things may happen over the summer, by the time fall comes, they know they need each other. They understand that they are one flock together. And they understand that the only way they're going to make it is together for protection. And together they will help find food for the flock to survive. It's not our ego. 
Our ego likes inflating us, and especially as leadership within the church, we like inflating ourselves to say, well, we're not a typical sheep. We're one that's helping in this regard, and we forget we are nothing without the Holy Spirit inside of us that is the shepherd. If we inflate our own ego and say, well, we're a hired hand, the moment trouble comes, we flee. Because I'm not going to be held responsible for this. That's not what we're called to in faith. We're called as sheep. And I find it really interesting that it's paired with these readings that we have this week. Acts, where Peter is laying out that this is nothing of my accord. This healing of this man that we listened to last week, this is nothing to do with me, Peter. This has everything to do with Christ Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that's within me saying I am reflecting Christ Jesus, that then healing can happen, has nothing to do with me. There is no power that I have. It is not my name that has any power. It's Christ Jesus that has power. The Psalm 23 reminding us of what Christ is trying to do. Christ is trying to protect us and provide for us if we allow Christ to do that. And then 1 John reminding us that it's this love of why Christ did what he did. It's what transforms and makes everything different. It's the love. You see, animals have this understood. They understand how hard the world is. And the only way we're going to get through it is together. There are multiple times with most species that they spend time together. They move They're willing to move around and not just stay stationary to a location because they understand that the land needs time, that God is going to call and move them in ways that they don't necessarily expect. They have to trust in the good shepherd. Brothers and sisters, we struggle with this. Our own ego likes to inflate us to the hired hand saying that we're somehow more important, somehow that Christ has given me all these deep insights, much beyond what I know myself. No, it's the Holy Spirit working within me. It's nothing to do with me at all. The second, how then when things start going our way, we then, well, it's very quick. Well, this is in God's hands, not my hands. But yet we wanted to be the hired hand. We don't want to take the responsibility because we have trouble being a sheep. We have trouble maintaining and taking care of ourselves with our faith. How the heck do we think we can steer a whole flock and protect a whole flock? We try. We try as a flock to be alert and awake and and having our eyes and protecting each other. Flocks of sheep will still communicate, but we also have to be understanding that we are a flock. Birds work together. One of the other things that I think is just really embodies this quite well, and you see it in the fall, but you also see it here in the spring, is geese in particular. Everybody knows the Vs that geese will take. Why? Geese are working together. The one at the front is working the hardest. It's breaking wind for everybody else, and everyone else is drafting off of that bird. At some point, that bird will get tired, and at that point, it falls back and drafts off everybody else as someone else takes the lead. AKA, the geese admitting it's too hard of work for them to do by themselves. They can't do it. They need each other. They have to trust each other. 
Trust the instinct of everybody f- driving this flock in the right direction. Trust that they're going to land at night and find food because they're going to need it. Trust that they're going to go and be able to work together through whatever obstacles arise. The Sandhill Cranes, every year when they get to Nebraska, trust that the plat is still going to be there. Trust that there's still going to be food there. Trust that Nebraska is going to continue to have the lack of hunting laws so that they're safe, so that they can get ready for the next part of their journey. Our world right now is having lots of trouble as a flock. I bring up the Van Neistat film before, and he kind of puts this period of time that we're in as crisis. There's a lot of crisis. There's a lot of things that as human beings we're reevaluating, things that we've overlooked for maybe too long, things that we thought we've worked on and we haven't done a good enough job, and things that are just hard. The pandemic itself has been hard, but we have to understand that we are better together than by ourselves. We have to understand that we are united as a world. We are much stronger than individual nations, than individual states, than individual counties, than individual towns, than individual people. One of the things that I've always enjoyed is the Olympics. And I know there's been a lot of politics that have been in the Olympics. But one of the things that I've always enjoyed, even from a young age, about the Olympics is for a period of time, the world seems to care about each other. The world cheers for those underdog stories. The world cries with the people who have trained so hard and something happens and they don't complete their goal that day. For a while, we are one tribe of people. For one moment, usually about two weeks, We feel like suddenly we are one flock, all of different people, but one flock of humans together trying to figure this all out. For one moment, we maybe can start to understand the pain and hurt that each of us bring to the table and understand that maybe we need to do a better job at looking out for each other. For a little while, we're closer together. And then it fades away after the closing ceremonies. Brothers and sisters, as we are in this time right now, let's not let our ego get in the way. Let's listen. Let's be a flock. Let's understand that there might be other birds that we don't agree with that might be in our flock, but we need them for protection. We need them because they might bring insight that might be useful along our journey. We need them because they need us just as much as we need them. The important thing to remember is as a flock, we come together. And as a flock, we are all equal. And as a flock, we all are looking to the Good Shepherd for our help. Just as God provides for the sparrows, so he will provide for his flock and protect his flock like it states in this text time and time again and as it's stating in these other readings that it's the love that God has for us that we just try to show others a fraction of it when are we going to understand that we have to be able to reflect that like nature does all the time no matter what differences we can see so the Twitter question I have for you this week is how are you welcoming more people into your flock How are you welcoming more people into your flock? 
And the reason we think about it that way is that it leaves us in a mindset of being creative and open to new ideas because we have to constantly be expanding the flock because we have a great shepherd who protects us. And why wouldn't we want more people then in that flock protected? No matter the differences, no matter if you're a sandhill crane or a whooping crane, they're protecting each other. And that's something that we all, as humans, could learn something about. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>